Good day, good day, and welcome to Your Voice, Your Power. I am Anika Wilson, and I have with me a licensed therapist, which you guys know I'm excited. I want to introduce to the world Nick Bogner. Did I say it right? Damn close. It's Bogner. I said it right the first time, then I messed it up the second time. What is that? Uh, that's called batting 500, and in <laughs> baseball, it's outstanding. It's all the same stuff. Can you tell the world who you are and what you do? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist practicing in Pasadena, California. I see individuals and occasionally couples, and I focus on men's issues and codependency. So I have to ask the first question, what made you become a licensed marriage family therapist? I had, I had a whole other career that was um, full-blown, as they say, um, and I was really miserable all the time, and there was nothing wrong with it except that I hated it. And ultimately... I took a break from that career um, and I got into my own counseling to, you know, to discover new things about my anxiety and my depression, work on that stuff. Um, and in the midst of it, one of, I was bemoaning not having a career to work on because I had abandoned this other one and was working in restaurants. And my therapist said, did you ever think about doing this? And I said, absolutely not. And then we didn't talk about it for six more months. And then she brought it up again and said, you know, hey, I know I mentioned this like six months ago. Did you ever think about being a therapist? And it wouldn't have even occurred to me that I could do it at all. Um, but I was interested and my wife thought it was a good idea. And so I attended an open house for the, for the school Phillips Graduate Institute in Chatsworth, California. And instantly, like a bolt of lightning, it was like, this is the conversation I want to be involved in for the rest of my life. Like it, it was one of those moments where I just knew I didn't even visit any other schools. And it was a, a terrific decision. So um, once that ball starts rolling downhill, it kind of takes care of itself for the most part, but I have, you know, my misery in my old career and my therapist to thank for that transition. Isn't it interesting how we commit to something early on and then we find out that that's just not it? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, it was the best option at the time, but you know, part of that was not knowing that I had other options. And I think that that was a part of it. And I think so many of us struggle with this is not having a clear idea of what an option even is my my dad was a therapist and it would never have occurred to me that it was an option for me no that's just hilarious that is that's absolutely hilarious my mom was a a, uh she has a master's in social work and i did everything in my power to not follow her footsteps so i went (laughs) the around about way and then she got her phd in anthropology and every day she's turning me into an anthropologist and i'm like i'm not doing it and now i'm in developmental psychology and i'm like i just literally went it about it the long roundabout way and I'm still fighting yeah. and kicking and screaming. But it's it's interesting because I finally realized yesterday I'm like it is what's instilled in you. Whether you you know it or not, it's indirect and it, it goes right back to our morals and values and, and the staples, you know, our our fundamentals and and not to mention I think it gives you a uh, appreciation for it. Oh yeah. Well, and speaking to the thing about morals and values, that's one of the things that I like the most about the work as a therapist is that it is informed by my values, which I didn't know going into the field that it would be. I think there's kind of that trope of the super neutral therapist who just listens and just writes things down. But it is clear to me more and more that our values have to be a part of the work that we do with people and that our work with people is enhanced by our values and that our lives are enhanced by examining that in ourselves. Exactly. And they evolve with time. And even you learn yeah. from your clients, you know, it's people don't understand that, that, that 
we as therapists understand what a therapeutic relationship is, but people do not understand that therapy is a relationship. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's healthy or unhealthy along the lines of whether that relationship is healthy or unhealthy. Right. Exactly. And I'm listening to you because you're the second one that I've had your second therapist I've had on this week and you have a specialty. And I think a lot of people don't understand that either. So can you break that down for listeners? Cause they, you know, a lot of people are struggling. They don't want to go to therapy, but I need you to educate. I like to use this as an opportunity to educate on why you have a specialty and what a specialty means in therapy. Yeah. Well, so there, there are a few different kinds. Some people come to it with a real seriousness in terms of the um, research and training that they bring to it. Some people come from a theoretical orientation, like I'm a, you know, I'm a cognitive behavioral therapist. I've trained at the, you know, the Albert Ellis Institute or whatever it is. And, you know, and then some people come to it um, from a place that's a little more personal. So, so my focus on men's issues comes from having been um, a person who landed, a man person who landed in therapy and didn't really know how to do it and didn't know how it worked. And ultimately, gratefully, I, the first therapist that I ever saw was a really terrific fit. And she helped me sort of to understand the process and to alleviate those symptoms that brought me into the room. But if you don't have, if you're not as lucky as I am to have that wonderful of a formative experience, and you don't come from a family like I do, where it's pretty okay to have your feelings, you might not really know how to experience therapy. And it might be scary as shit yep. to go into a room. Sorry, can I swear on this podcast? Go for it. Go, is that a go for it? Okay. I'll, I'll keep it clean. I'll keep it it might be really scary to go into a room with a stranger who just says, yeah, you know, tell me how you feel about things. Tell me um, all about your life. And I won't tell you anything about mine. That like, part. A frightening proposition. So that's what I bring to a lot of the men's issues is having been through that process and seeing it from both sides to help people. And then codependency, you know, setting, telling people to set boundaries, helping people learn how to say no and have better relationships. You know, I don't know why everybody's not into that. That's the best stuff in the world. Let me tell you something. It's something that I've discovered in the last two years. And I, I used to be like this open, I mean, open book. I'm talking about open for anything, always there for everybody. No limits on my time, no control over anything. Just, yeah, call Nika. Nika got it. Nika will answer it. Nika will help you. Nika will do it. And I finally like got to a place where I was like, where can I run and jump off? Like, I don't want to die. Yeah. I just want to disappear, you know, just, yeah. just because I was over overstimulated. I was like, this is just not okay. And of course I knew what boundaries were. I knew how to teach the class. I did it at the treatment center all the time, yeah. but you never realize because that, that it applies to you because in helping professions, it's really hard to establish and maintain boundaries, not the clinical boundaries. You know, people get confused because they're like, well, that, what does that mean? Not the professional boundaries, just your own, even with yourself having limitations on giving and depleting yourself in everything because then your relationships fail, then your health fails, then everything sure. fails, and it is a domino effect. And so I'm listening to this. I'm like, I have a man here that's talking about feelings, boundaries, and codependency. I'm like, yes, we got to ring the bell, y'all, because this is absolutely awesome. <laughs> so cool because i you know we need more of that men need to know that it is okay to talk about it and it is okay to feel and it's okay to question most definitely yeah it's i think we have a lot of like silly sort of tv show therapist ideas um that i'm hoping to dispel the one that i always think about with a smile on my face do you remember beavis and butthead from the yes 90s? yeah <laughs> 
Yeah, no. remember the guidance counselor? Oh, I never God. watched it enough to know. This sad little helpless guy who just was helpless against Beavis and Butthead, and he just, you know, he just was tone deaf and dumb and a terrible therapist. And of course, they ran over him because they were Beavis and Butthead. And I think like a lot of people, a lot of men in particular, think that they're going to go into therapy and they're going to have this very soft-spoken, yes. kind of boring, maybe a little dumb therapist who's going to ask them questions that they don't care about and don't want to answer. And in reality, the process of therapy is only talking about the things that matter, right? Like if we're sitting here uh, BSing around and making small talk, then, then we're avoiding something, yep. right? Yep. And I think that most people, once they try it, they really dig it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I'm seeing it more and more because we do need to normalize it. Everybody needs a therapist and we need to dispel the rumors, the stigmas and everything that there's got to be something wrong with you. My own child said this the other day and I'm like, who raised you? Like, where did you get that from? Because she's like, I don't need a therapist. I have you. I'm fine. Like, there's nothing wrong with me. I don't talk about my feelings like you do. I'm not like you. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like, can I kick her out? Like, yeah. what? what is wrong with her? And I told her, I said, that's exactly what's wrong with your body right now because you're internalizing everything. And then I gave her examples of addicts and other people. And I said, this is the definition of internalization. It is not healthy. And it's not my opinion. Right. It's fact. It's theory. It's historical. It's medical. It's everything. And, and I think, you know, I was, I think I was talking to you and I said, we need to build care teams. We need to sure. have a team. We need to have a multidisciplinary team for ourselves. We need to have like a masseuse, you know, physical therapist, doctor, <laughs> specialist, therapist, coach, because I tell people you can have a therapist and a coach because you need to be working on different areas of your life and they right. do different things. You need people to hold sure. your hand. You need to, to have people that you look up to. You need to have people that look up to you. You need to have this circle of life going on at all times. And it may not be comfortable to start. Like you said, people do have this perception that a therapist is going to sit there with a pad in their lap and they're just going to sit there and they're just going to look at you above their glasses and they're just going like to say, how does right? that make you feel? If I ever hear yeah. a therapist say that, I'm like hanging up, I'm clicking the end button, can't stand it. That's my pet peeve. It's like, if you yeah. say that to me, that means that you literally read that in a book and you didn't learn anything else and you didn't take any additional classes. Oh, no. I say that all the time. Don't say tell that. Me, tell me That's the worst thing. Because how do I make you feel? It, how does that make you feel? It's so generic. Like, you got to, like, take take even what they're asking, what they're saying and repurpose it or or, you know, reintroduce it with like an action verb or something like okay what were you thinking even that's better you know what i'm saying because then how right. did that make you feel we're here because we don't know how we feel like right. i don't know how it made me feel trapped you know because because you got to talk through it so just how do you make you feel makes you kind of go backwards because you're like wait a minute it's almost like it's your fault kind of thing or oh, interesting you know what i'm saying like i don't well, know for me, it but... goes way back. And it was like the first therapist I had that was horrible. That's the only question oh. they ever asked was, and how did that make you feel? And oh, how yeah. did that make... And I'm just like, do you have anything else to say to me? Sure. For me, I, you know, and I can understand why that would be super frustrating and super invalidating. You know, a lot of the work that was done with me that I find a lot of men really benefit from is the work of learning to name your emotions. Because you know, we have as many as every other human being, but we often don't know what or where any of them is. 
And so I use the feelings wheel. I don't know if you've ever used this thing. It's this lovely graphic that's available online. And a lot of times I'm asking, what does that make you feel? Because I want you to consult the thing and tell me how you feel because that naming process might be really valuable, you know, to the person's process. On the other hand, if I'm ever just punting the ball down the field, I hope somebody catches, catches me and call. I mean, I hope they don't, but they can catch me and call me on it and then I'll. Yeah, because I think a lot of people don't even know how it makes them feel. My daughter said to me the other day, she said, I'm 15 years old and you keep asking me questions about my care and I don't know how to answer them. And I think men are people that aren't used to feeling and aren't used to being vulnerable. It takes time. So I think those kind of questions, like maybe in like, session three, four, because a lot of people don't know how to name their feelings. And I think that's where it comes into us educating them first on what it feels. Because a lot of people use the terms depression, anxiety, hopeless. They use those terms, but they don't actually know what that looks like or what it feels like. And so, you know, I hear my daughter use terms all the time and I'm like, that's actually not accurate. You just said that because you heard it on TV or TikTok. Uh. You know, (laughs) we really have to talk about what does it feel to, you know, feel unappreciated or disconnected or or whatever, like we got to really like work through that process because I've come to realize that one of the reasons people are most misunderstood is because they're using the wrong terms. Oh yeah. Well, and psychology has nothing if not tons and tons of terms that are hard to understand and that don't make any intuitive sense, right? Like we have a million terms. To me, I understand. And I thought they were common sense and I'm now learning. No, It's not common. It's geekdom. No, absolutely. Well, and I mean, even the, even sort of the ways that they were named, uh, you know, I, I'm trying to remember what borderline, you know, which clinicians understand in a very specific way, but I mean, it was originally the border between psychosis and I'm going to screw this up, psychosis and um, hysteria or, or something like that. And, it's and now like, it's complicated. Now the term is, it's irrelevant. It's an yeah. irrelevant term now. Yeah. And we have a million of those things and they're, yeah. you know, going through every them but yep and dissociative and all of it now they're all complicated i don't even use half of them anymore because now the dsm has changed and every time you get comfortable with something i was doing apa today and they just came out with a new edition i'm like why would you do that yes there's a a, they just came out with the seventh edition and now i'm sitting here trying to do an annotated bibliography i'm like stop changing it stop just let me get through this project please (laughs) seriously please i'm begging you i just need my degree yeah (laughs) But you know what? It goes to show like OCD is now a mental disorder. And and so I, I'm focused right now on educating people on stop being afraid of a disorder. Like who cares if it's a disorder? It doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you. And And stop using the word normal. Nobody's normal. You know, I'm really focused on these things because I think people are st- they're so hung up on 20 years ago on the, the cartoons and the Beavis and Buttheads and the things like that. And we have got to evolve with the times. And we have got to learn that it is okay to process this stuff. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's important to process this stuff. And not because we owe it to anybody or because there's a moral imperative to do it, but because our lives can be enhanced and the lives of the people we love can be enhanced so much by processing this stuff. That and is that's so the true. thing is it's not about avoiding a bad thing. It's about reaching out and, and grabbing a really good thing. I think. Yes. And that's what growth does. Yeah. All I mean, right. Ideally. So you got to tell me about this podcast. You got a podcast. Yeah, I have a podcast. It's called More Exemplary. It's available on all the places that you get podcasts and also at moreexemplary.com. Um, and it's, it's, you know, one of your sort of self-help podcasts. But the, um, the tack that we take with it is the idea that you need to help yourself and you also need to help others. And that's actually part of a balanced 
and joyful lifestyle. So you got to find your own um, wonders and you got to take care of yourself, but then you also have to attend um, to the health and care of the people around you in your neighborhood and your community. And so I try to um, place a little of that, you know, in each episode. Most recently, we did a really wonderful episode on um, body image, right? Mm. And um, how you want to treat your body, um, how you want to, where you're, we're getting those messages from in the world at large about, you know, what the size and shape and texture and color of our bodies means um, to the world and what we're told about that. And then how we also want to, you know, maybe make a political stance and not perpetuate um, those things internally or externally. So that's a, like a taste of some of the stuff that we talk about. So the topics are diverse, but the idea is help yourself and help others. That's awesome. And, you know, I was talking yesterday about the fact of us coaches and podcasters, we actually help ourselves by helping others. For sure. It's a healing process. It's, it's deliverance. It's evolution. It's profound. It's educational. Yeah. I think more well, people I, need to tap into that. Agreed. And I mean, for me, I, you know, you know, as a, as a, you know, business coach and a networker, you know, everything that you're going to get that's worth anything in your professional life, you're going to get through a relationship. You know what that's I mean? Right. So rare is it that you find something on Craigslist and then it changes your life in this wonderful way. And so for me, it serves the double purpose of like, I get to, I get to talk with inspiring people all the time, which is really wonderful. And fortunately in my field, you can kind of just call people up and ask to talk to them. And a lot of times they're going to talk to you about it if they're interested in the, in the topic, you know? That is absolutely true. And you know, it's, I don't know. I think that's why the field is so rewarding. You hear a lot of things about it. And I'm glad to see that the, the therapy world is changing and that there are, you know, the ability to have the specializations and to really treat people. I remember I was raised by a single mom. And even when I went through my bachelor's and my master's, I, there's nothing that M, uh, LMFT could tell me. Cause I'm like, who right. cares? Like, you know, the divorce rate's like 50%. Who cares about marriage, family therapy? It doesn't apply to my kind of people, you know, because yeah. I worked in the prisons and who's in the prisons, you know, just, just my life. It was just like, okay, like that doesn't work for us or, well, mm. and not only that, but my culture, it's not really recognized. You know, we don't just up and get a marriage therapist. You don't, you go to right. church, if anything, you know, and you, you right, pray yeah, about it or you talk to the pastor. Yeah. You know, what goes on in this house stays in this house, all that great stuff, you know, and that's what we were talking about the other day with this other therapist. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because I think we really, really, really have to share with the world the fact that it really can change your perspective yeah. of your marriage, of your life. I had marriage counseling recently and I did not agree with anything that this man said. Yeah. But it changed my life because he said one thing that resonated. And he said, you two come from two different cultures. Mm -hmm. And here I was, I was thinking, okay, we're both black. So of course it's not a cultural thing, but it absolutely oh, is. He wow. came from two parents. He's in the military. I come from a single mom, you know, and it's just interesting because the, when he said it to me, it let me know that there's no right way. Right. There's no right For or wrong because sure. I'm always telling him what's normal. And he's like, why do you always use the word normal? And to <laughs> me being raised by a therapist talking about feelings is normal. 
You know, talking about things is normal. And so I just have to say, even in the bad experiences, no matter what your perception of therapy is, no matter who you've met, no matter what relationships you've been in, I hope that you've learned something that you can take away. And I want to ask you, do you have any advice for listeners pertaining to all of this goodness that we are speaking to? And so I can get off my, my, uh, you know. (laughs) Well, I love, I love your point that you mentioned that there really is no right way. And I, you know, I take a really similar approach to couples and relationships. And I would say that like, I've found over and over again, that the only thing that I think every successful marriage has to have is trust. And I mean, really, other than that, I don't know that there's any other thing that I can point to that's common. People have all different kinds of romance lives. People have all different kinds of sex lives. People come from the same cultures and from different cultures. People have relationships with, you know, more than two people in them. You know, there's all kinds of stuff that works for all kinds of people. And I think that it really helps to walk into it knowing that none of us is trying to find a way to shoehorn somebody's relationship mm-hmm. or none of us that are credible is, is trying to shoehorn anybody's relationship into a mold that fits. It's yes. more like, okay, number one, do you trust each other? Can you trust each other? And then how can we get the connectedness on all these different levels to something that really works for both of you? And so I don't know that that's advice so much as just, I love that. No, it is. You just got to find your way to do it and know that that's out there um, and to approach it with zest and non-judgment. I love the zest and the non-judgment. And I always say, you got to determine what your um, negotiables are and what your yeah. deal breakers are. And for me, trust is a deal breaker. If you don't have trust, sure. you have nothing else and anything else is fixable. Agreed. Yeah. And trust is fixable too. It's just, you know, it's like a plant. It takes a really long time to grow and a very tiny amount of time to chop it down. And, you know, people do recover from it and they often emerge stronger but in my experience, that's the one non-negotiable. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. If, if couples don't trust each other, they may love each other to death. And it's that relationship that, is not going to go anywhere. Yep. I agree. I want to ask you one more thing to dispel. A lot of people think that um, LMFTs are just for couples. And yeah, I want you to re-emphasize. Yeah. I want you to re-emphasize who you really, really, really love to work with. Thank you for pointing that out. Yeah. It's a, one of those great psychology terms that has long since surpassed its, its um, utility, right? Yep. So it stands for licensed marriage and family therapist, but something like 80% of all therapists don't see any couples or families whatsoever. Um, most of us see individuals, um, adults and children, um, and the kind of work that I do for the most part, I do do some couples work, but for the most part, I really work with individual adults. Um, and that's the, you know, that's the work that I'm really passionate about. And it doesn't just have to be about marriage um, or family, although as a family system therapist, it often comes back to family for me yeah. um, because it does matter where and who we come from and where we learn the lessons about how to live our lives. Absolutely. Whether y'all like to hear it or not, that's the truth. <laughs> it comes from the root, from yeah, the tree seriously. that the apple falls from. And, you know, it's all the trees are different. The roots are different. Um, here in Hawaii, we have these really big, thick trees with really big roots that look like they've been there forever and you could tell they're like Japanese and it's just interesting so yes y'all the trees are different the roots are different and the apple may fall far or close to doesn't matter but whether you like it or not it all comes from the ruta and the tuta (laughs) that's well put (laughs) well I want to thank you so much for being here it has been more than a pleasure oh it's my pleasure thanks for having me on All right, y'all, that's been another edition of Your Voice, Your Power with Anika and the amazing Nick Bogner.
So close. Bogner. Bogner. Three times, I swear. All right, so y'all. One out of three. Still Hall of Fame. <laughs> All right, y'all. You know what I'm going to say. Remember, as always, stay powerful.